You're listening to a teaching from Vineyard Church in Jacksonville, Florida. For more information on teachings and special events, visit us online at www.vcjax.org. That's vcjax.org. Now let's listen in. Let's pray. Father, thank you for just what you're doing in our lives. Thank you for... um, Lord, just uh, your word, thank you for uh, just our study as we begin our study in the book of Ephesians. And, Dad, we just ask that you would, um, Lord, as we read and as we study, as we meditate in your word, that you would take it and just speak it, Lord, into our hearts. Um, That you would change us, Dad. Um, In the name of Jesus, amen. Um, I've asked you guys to begin, uh, actually several weeks ago, I asked you to begin reading in the book of Ephesians. I'm sure all of you have done that and read it numerous times. Um, it's only how many chapters? Six chapters. You could probably read it and I don't know, not, wouldn't take too long just to read through it or you can spend a couple of years studying it and meditating in it. But I, uh, it's just an incredible book. One of my actually, it seems like I say that a lot, but it's one of my favorite books of the Bible. I love Ephesians. There's just some good, some good stuff in there. In fact, as it says in Timothy, Second Timothy, that all Scripture is God breathed, or I think King James says all Scripture is inspired. It's God breathed, and it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting. And training in righteousness. That's what the scripture is good for. So the word of God, as we study it, and the Holy Spirit lives inside of us, takes the word of God that was written and puts it into our hearts and speaks it into us and it becomes alive in us. That's what the Holy Spirit does in us as we study this, as we open up our hearts to the word of God. It becomes more than just... uh, than, than just a book. It becomes more than just a uh, some words on pages. It actually becomes alive. It becomes the living word of God in us as we as we read this and as we study that. Amen. All right. Let's um. We actually have titled and, and this morning, um, this morning I'm going to spend a little bit of time just kind of in an introduction. I'm going to kind of shift into the teaching mode. Now, I don't know the difference between the teaching mode and the preaching mode, other than preaching's louder. Is that, is that, is that, I don't know. <laughs> it sounds good to me. Um, but we're going to kind of look at an introduction uh, to the book of Ephesians, and then we're going to take communion together. So we're going to spend some time actually this morning uh, talking about communion, but we wanted to do that uh, today as well. So in um, and and the way of introduction, um, we actually are titling uh, the series Sit, Walk, and Stand. Now, how many of you guys have ever heard that, that, that title before? Sit, walk, and stand. Any of you? There's a few of you. Some of you guys are old. Um, I, I didn't mean that. Some of you guys are older, or at least you've read older books. Uh, a man, a Chinese guy by the name of Watchman Nee, you ever heard of him? Actually wrote a little book, and I would encourage you. I think you can get it on Kindle. I'm pretty sure you can. Called Sit, Walk, and Stand. That's the title of the book. And it, and it basically takes this, it takes the book of Ephesians, and we're going to look at this in just a second, and divides it into three kind of sections of sitting, walking, and standing. And all that's going to make a lot more sense as we dig into it and get a little further into this whole series. But as I said today, we're going to kind of take a brief introduction and then do some communion together. But bottom line, as we, as we look at the introduction, the human uh, the human writer of the book of Ephesians is who? Who knows? 
The Apostle Paul, he penned it. He wrote it under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. We just read that in Timothy, that all Scripture is inspired by the Holy Spirit. So Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is the one that actually wrote it or penned it. We know from the book of Acts, if you're looking back in the book of Acts, that Paul actually visited the city of Ephesus twice. Okay, He was there the first time on what's... There, there's like in the book of Acts, if you read the book of Acts, there's like three what is called missionary journeys of Paul, where he goes out, spends some time traveling around the country, and then comes back uh, uh, to, to the Jerusalem and then goes out again. On the second missionary journey is where Paul winds up in Ephesus. And I'd encourage you to go back and read in Acts the whole story of what happened there, because it'll give you some background on the book of Ephesians. But he's, he's there around, uh, the dates are around uh, 57 A.D. after Christ, and on this third missionary journey, uh, it's around, the uh, first one's actually around 52, the third one's around 57. And then when Paul leaves, according again to Timothy, when Paul leaves, he actually sends his young protege, who would be who? Paul and young guy, not Silas, but the younger guy. Starts with a T. Paul and Timothy sends his young uh, son in the faith, Timothy, back to Ephesus uh, to go there and to be with this church as it, as it kind of gets its legs up underneath it and begins uh, to get going. Most scholars, myself included, <clears throat> I hope you all got that. Most scholars believe that Paul wrote the book of Ephesians from the city of Rome as he was in jail and prison it's one of what's called the prison letters or the uh, and, and Ephesians Philippians Colossians and Philemon I believe it is are written from his his stay in prison and it always it always amazes me if you read those books especially Philippians talks a lot about the joy and Paul is actually um, at some point in time, he's actually in prison. Other times, he's actually just chained to a guard and has a little bit of freedom. Um, but it always amazed me when you read those stories how Paul talks about joy and, and, and being full of joy, even though he's confined. And the reality of it is, it, it, it always just kind of struck me as funny. Can you imagine being the guard that's chained to the Apostle Paul? Now, who's really confined? <laughs> I don't think Paul saw himself as confined. And, and I mean, can you just imagine you're just, just, just this guard, and here's the Apostle Paul just speaking to you and preaching to you and telling you about, about Jesus. In fact, is even in Philippians, he says, many of the guard came to Christ because of his testimony, because he shared with them while he was in, he was in jail. So, you know, jail's, I guess, a good place to start jail ministry, and that's what, uh, that's what Paul did. Uh, the book itself was actually written around 60 to 61 A.D. D during, again, his imprisonment. Now, I will share a little bit um, about some of the background of what was going on there. The city of Ephesus was a pretty large city. Um, it was um, it was well known. Uh, some of the, or one of the major religions there was an, a religion called the Empire Occult. Uh, this is also where the temple Diana was at. Diana in that time was like the chief temple, or Ephesus was the chief temple of the goddess Artemis, which is a goddess of fertility. And she was located in this city, this, this temple of Diana. And it was really like a, an area of commerce. In other words, a lot of people believe this was almost like their banking system because this temple had a lot of money that it kept and, and regulated uh, as part of the commerce back then. But anyway... Um, this goddess Diane is, is pictured or is seen as a many-breasted 
um, mummy-like image. Okay, so you can you can again go back, and I'd encourage you to go back and do uh, some study in this. But there was um, also part of the religion was necromo- ne- necromancy. Did I say you pronounce it? Necromancy, and it sounds good, doesn't it? Necromancy is a study of what the dead. Okay, and so there was a there there was a, a cult of that that was going on as well as what was happening with um, with Diana. Um, this uh, this temple of sorcery uh, it was you know where they worshiped her there was a lot of sorcery that was going on there was a lot of exorcism that was happening they also in fact as if you remember in the book of acts there was also uh, a lot of manufacture of like little small replicas of of this temple okay and they took and they sold those in fact as if you remember in the book of a feet and and acts as paul was going through there that he um uh, that he cast a demon out of this uh, out of this little girl, and 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 one of the issues and problems that what kind of got everybody riled up is they saw their income going away because of of what Paul was doing, because this is this is how these guys made money. They manufactured you know these little omelets and these little um, replicas of of Diane and of the, of the temple, and so they saw their their uh, their livelihood going away. As a, as a result of, of what Paul was doing, as a result of Christianity uh, exploding, really, in that city. And so, again, they didn't like that. So they, you know, they stoned him and did a lot of other things, which doesn't sound like a whole lot of fun to me. Um, there was also in Ephesus a large number of Jews. Okay, so kind of the religious background that's going on there is Judaism as well as uh, this, uh, this uh, goddess of, of Artemis and this uh, temple of Diane that was was there. Um, some key words, and this is kind of interesting to me. In the book of Ephesians, the word in, I-N, is used 93 times. And most of the cases, I believe it's 87 of them, it's, in, it's used where it says in Christ. So when we're studying the book of Ephesians, we're going to learn a lot about what does that mean to be in Christ. And that's a, that's a major um, it's a major theology, a major doctrine, a major teaching of what's in the book of Ephesians is being in Christ. And it's something that we, um, we've been doing some study on. In fact, as our SOCOM classes have talked a lot about, uh, you know, who we are in Christ and what does that mean. And we're going, we're going to spend some more time looking at that. Cause I, I believe that that, that that understanding or that teaching of being in Christ is a, I, I believe it's probably the most important thing that we need to grasp is, is our walk in Jesus. What does that mean? What does it mean that I'm in Christ? What, is, what does that mean in my living today? What does that mean in practice today? What does that mean um, in, as, as I'm walking this thing out called Christianity? What does that mean that I'm in Christ? Okay, And we're going we're gonna to spend some time looking at that. Obviously, it's used 90-something times uh, in the book of Ephesians. Grace, the word grace is used 12 times. What does that mean? What what does it mean to have grace? What does it mean that God gives grace? In fact, as it says in the Bible, God gives grace to the who? Humble. Man, some of y'all are sharp. God gives grace to the humble. The word body is used eight times. Now, it's not talking about this fine specimen of a physical body. (laughs) It's talking about the body of Christ in the book of Ephesians. And we're going to look into that as well. The word love is used ten times. The word mystery is used six times. And the word walk, like walk, is used eight times 
in the scripture in in the book of Ephesians. And the word walk, again, sit, walk, and stand. I want you to kind of get an idea of this to begin with. Are not necessarily speaking specifically of our physical position, although they can, okay? But it's more of our spiritual position. The idea of sitting and walking doesn't necessarily mean, walking doesn't mean me just kind of walking, but it's the idea of walking in Christ, what does that look like? How do we do that? The, the, from chapters 4 forward are a, just a lot of practical verses about how we walk this thing out. Okay, it's one thing to be in Christ, but what do I do with that? What does that mean? And how do I live that out? How do I walk that out? And so we're going we're to be looking um, at that. Um, as we're studying, okay, and again, a lot of this is just some foundational truth, okay? But as we're studying the book of Ephesians, um, there are a couple of things we need to understand in our interpretation of it, okay? And this is true not just in Ephesians, but in all, uh, in all the scriptures as we're looking at. There are, different, um, there are different genres or there are different types of literature. Are you aware of that? I mean, there's, this, there's like poetry. There's um, what else? What's some other types of literature? Poetry. What was it? Prose. What else? What was it? Prophecy, what else? Speak? Biographies. So there's all, how about uh, comics? It's always one of my favorites. I love Superman. Um, (laughs) But you, my point is this, different genres or different um, uh, aspects of of literature are interpreted, interpreted differently. Okay, so as we get into the Bible and we start studying the Bible, we need to understand what it is we're reading and, and as, we just, as we try to figure out how to interpret what's being said here. The culture that's, that's, that's being addressed as well has a lot to do with our interpretation of Scripture. As we're reading the book, you've got to remember when was it written. Ephesus, I just said, was written when? Ephesus. Ephesians was written when? 60, right around 60, 61, 62, somewhere in that range. And Paul was addressing a particular culture of people as he was writing the book of Ephesians. You with me? And so our understanding of how to interpret what this means to us today in the 21st century is we have to look at that. There's some things that happen. I'll just give you an example. The scripture talks about women wearing their what? Their head, head, head what? covered when they do what when they come to church look around (laughs) we're either in sin ladies or we have to interpret it differently got you thinking don't i it talks about length of hair guys doesn't it josh sorry buddy you're in trouble (laughs) yeah (laughs) Anything, anything longer than mine, Bob, is long. Just kidding, okay? But again, there's Scripture that talks about that. But there was a reason why Scripture talked about it, addressing that culture of that day, okay? And so we need to understand that as we're reading Scripture. We'll get into that quite a bit when we get further into Ephesians, especially when it talks about women, slaves, masters, how slaves and masters related, we got to understand that. I mean, you could take, in fact, is in slavery in America, there were many, many, many people that, that pulled scriptures out of the Bible to make it sound like slavery was okay. You're going to read some when we read Ephesians. 
So what does that mean to us today? How do we interpret that in light of the fact we live in the 21st century? You with me? Um, okay. The breakdown of the book of Ephesians is, again, the first uh, three chapters has, is, talks about the believer's position in Christ specifically. That's where we get the idea of the word sit. Uh, it, it, again, it doesn't literally mean that as you're reading the book of Ephesians, you have to sit <laughs> physically, or as Christians that we have to spend all our time sitting. It's the idea of the word sit has more the idea of, of understanding the, of who we are in Christ. In fact, there's in chapter 2 of Ephesians that talks about that we are seated where? In the heavenlies. Well, you look to me like you're seated right here. <laughs> okay, so what, uh, what does that mean that we're seated in the heavenlies? And again, we're going to spend a lot of time understanding that. But that's the, that's the meaning of the word sit. How, who am I in Jesus? How does that affect my life now? And, and that, there's, a, there's a kind of like a progression. In other words, we go from sitting to walking. We go from understanding who I am to Christ into living it out. I live out who I am in Jesus based on, on who I am in Jesus. Does that make sense? In other words, I don't, I don't, <laughs> we're still trying to connect over there. <laughs> I don't, I don't walk, let me put it this way. I don't walk out this thing called Christianity trying to earn something from God. I walk out this thing called Christianity because of who I already am from God's perspective. Does that make sense? In other words, I don't, I'm not doing this thing. See, this is different. I, I was raised in a, in, a, in a setting of Christianity. I was raised in a setting that basically taught you got to earn your way there. you got to earn his favor. you got to earn his love. If you're, I was basically taught you got to be a good boy. you got to do this, 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 and this. If you want God to really love you, and if you want God to really bless you, if you want to really have the favor of God, then you got to do all these things. You know what that's called? Religion. Now, if I'm in Jesus, don't get this confused, okay? If I'm in Jesus and I'm in Christ, it doesn't mean all I do is sit on my behind and do nothing. There's still Scripture I'm to walk out, but there's a difference between walking out what the Scripture says based on who I am in Jesus and walking out what the Scripture says trying to earn favor or trying to get something from God. Amen, Bob. <laughs> I'm telling you, that, that is a big difference between a lot of what you see in Christianity. A lot of what is taught is that you have to do this thing to 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 continue to grow, to continue to not grow, but to continue to appease God, to continue to have his favor. you got to be able to do it. Look at me. You can't do anything to get any more of God's favor. You already have it. The difference is, is I learn how to walk out of that. Does that make sense? I learn how to walk out of the fact that God has favor on me. I learn how to walk out of the fact that he loves me unconditionally. He, in fact, his Ephesians will tell you, before the foundations of the world, he chose to love me. Before the foundations of the world, I was seated in Christ. I was already there. Now, what should that do? How should that impact me? How should that impact the way I walk this thing out? Well, we're going we're going to spend some time looking at that. Y'all good with that? 
<laughs> and the last part, it's kind of interesting that we're doing these Bible studies on during the during the summer. You'd almost look like God had something planned there. That uh, the last part of the book of Ephesians talks about standing, talks about warfare, talks about the armor of God, talks about, I love it. I love how Paul writes, he says, after you've done everything you can do, stand. <laughs> Don't you just love that? I mean, there's, just, there's been times in my life as a Christian where it's like, you know what? I can't do anything else but stand. I'm going to stand on this. I'm going to stand on this fact of what I know about who I am in Jesus. I'm going to stand on this. I'm going to stand on the fact that greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I'm going to stand on the scripture that says that I am a more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. I'm going to stand on those things as I put on this whole armor of God. Now, yeah, listen, there's sometimes that's, that's the only thing you can do is stand on it. You may not be seeing it with these eyes. It may not be happening right now in your life. But you know what? According to the word, which is the truth, not what you see, but according to what's unseen, that's eternal. According to that, I can stand on what the word of God says. And I don't have to be shaken. I can sing that song and mean it. I'm not shaken. I'm not going to be shaken. <laughs> Why? Because I'm going to stand on what God said. Because of who I am in Jesus. Look at me. <laughs> if I'm seated in the heavenlies, okay, if, I, if that's where I'm at, if I'm seated there, what do I have to worry about here? Zippo. Because I'm in, I'm there. <laughs> I'm there. I have, a, I have a different perspective of life. I have a different perspective about what's going on in my life. I have a different perspective about the issues and the trials and the tests and the things that are happening. There's a different perspective of I'm looking from there versus looking from here. Hmm. I wasn't planning on preaching Ephesians yet. I told you I was going to teach, okay? This is teaching. Sit, walk, and stand. Hmm. You see, let's talk about the sitting just a little bit more. It's interesting the progression of sitting, walking, and standing. The Christian life doesn't begin with walking. It begins with sitting. It begins with me understanding who I am in Christ. Then, according to Ephesians, I walk this thing out. It's, 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 it's like that. See, in our mindset, that's kind of counterculture. Our, our culture, our natural thinking would be, no, you walk first and then you sit. <laughs> you have to do something. Walking is the idea of doing something. You've got to do something before you can rest. Before you can sit. The opposite of that is true according to Scripture. No, I need to sit. Again, it's not a physical sitting, but it's the idea of, a, of understanding this is what God has done for me. This is what he's done in my life. It's already been done, so therefore I can do. <laughs> right? Okay. <laughs> 
I like this statement. It says, Christianity does not begin with a big do, but with a big done. <laughs> Don't you like that? It's, it doesn't begin with a big do, but with a big done. In fact, it's in Ephesians 1, it says this, Bless us with every, He has blessed us with every spiritual blessing and heavenly prices in Christ. Blessed is what tense? Past. <laughs> hmm? Done. done. It's happened. <laughs> it's already done. <laughs> I want to read this quote to you. It says, Christianity means that God has done everything in Christ and that we simply step by faith into the enjoyment of that fact. Our key word here is not in its context a command to literally sit down, but to see ourselves as seated in Christ. The work is not initially ours at all, but His. It is not that we work for God, but that He works for us. Our Christian life begins with the discovery of what God has already provided in us. Christian experience proceeds as it began, not on the basis of our own work, but always on that of the finished work of the author of another, Jesus. Does that make sense? It's based on what he's done. The finished, I love that finished. (laughs) fact is, don't you remember Jesus saying something about it is finished? (laughs) It's done. He's done it. Our deliverance from sin and our relationship with God is not based on what we can do, nor even on what God is going to do for us, but on what He has already done for us in Christ. Amen, Bob. That's the introduction to Ephesians. It's going to get better. <laughs> Please read. Please spend some time studying. Read the Scriptures. Ask, ask, you know what? If you're a follower of Christ, where's the Holy Spirit? He lives in you. And as you read this book, and you're asking the Holy Spirit to speak to you, He can't help but do it. <laughs> Amen? I mean, He... he <laughs> See, I can, I can read this strictly from a, a studying point of view. I can read it strictly to have learn history. It's a historical book. I can read it to do that. I can read it to convince other people they're wrong. <laughs> but you know how you really want to read it? It's like God's written a letter to you. It's his love letter to you. And the Holy Spirit starts taking those words off those pages as you're reading them. And they become they begin to become living words. They begin to come alive to you as you read the, the book, as you read it. And the Holy Spirit sticks it in here and he speaks it into you. And he begins to impact your life because you're reading the living word of God. And we ought to want it. We, it ought to be something that you've got to drag yourself away from. See, I love doing it in the morning. I, you don't have to do it in the morning. Do it. In, just do it. <laughs> okay? Don't, and again, don't make it some... It's so We can so easily turn everything into some ritualistic thing. Don't turn it into some ritualistic thing. Just start praying. God, speak to me from your book and open it up and start reading it. Now, some people love devotionals. Some people love reading. And I do. I like those. I go from seasons where I'm reading a devotional. Then other seasons, I'm just reading through a book. Sometimes I just do the hunt and peck method. 
<laughs> that's not the best method, but it'll work. And if you're not doing anything else, start with that one. You know, ask the Holy Spirit to bring it to life as you read it. I'm telling you, it'll impact you. It'll change you. It'll give you hope. It'll give you peace. It'll give you rest. It'll speak to you when nothing else is speaking to you. It'll speak to you when it looks like everything else is already spoken. <laughs> and it may give you a different perspective. Because I find that it usually does. Communion. We're shifting gears here, all right? I'm going to take a drink. Shut your eyes for two seconds. Open them back up. We're now on to communion. <laughs> we just shifted gears. I want to read a verse to you out of the Amplified. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 10, 16. I have it up there, I believe. Yep. The cup of blessing of wine at the Lord's Supper, upon which we ask God's blessing, does it not mean that in the drinking of it that we participate in and share a fellowship, a communion, and the blood of Christ, the Messiah. The bread which we break, does it not mean that in the eating of it, we participate in and share a fellowship, a communion in the body of Christ? Same verse in the New Living Translation says this, when we bless the cup at the Lord's table, aren't we sharing in the blood of Christ? And when we break the bread, aren't we sharing in the body of Christ? We're going to be a while, guys. Y'all can, y'all can, y'all can rest. I'll call you up in a minute. I got at least an hour sermon here before we take care of it. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, y'all have heard my story. Um, I can just remember doing this, having communion hundreds of times growing up in church. And, and it just really meant absolutely nothing to me. I just, it just didn't mean much to me. It just was some ritualistic thing we did in my mind, okay? And I'm not saying that's the way it was, but for me, that's the way it was. And God began to speak to me years ago about communion, about it meaning a lot more than I thought it meant. And it's, these, it's this verse right here is one of the key verses to me as I begin to understand that this, when we, when we take the communion together as a body, when we share it together, when we take the cup and we take the bread and we, we're participating. I love how this verse, how Amplified says it, that we're participating and we're sharing in a fellowship with Christ. And what, and to me, what that means is it's, it's actually the word koinonia, which is translated fellowship, but it's, it's this idea of participating in what his blood has done for us. We participate in that as we, as we drink the cup together. What does that mean, participate? It means we join in. In other words, it means that today, as we're taking the cup together, as we're drinking that cup, this grape juice for us, it could be wine, but as we're drinking that together, that we participate and we come together and we share in what the blood of Christ has done for us in a fresh and a practical and a new way. Today, you get to experience that. Now, as you're drinking that, you get to experience now what Christ did then. It's so much more. Listen, it's, it's so much more than just drinking some juice. 
It's so much more than just some ritualistic thing. Well, I guess we're supposed to do it, so once a quarter, let's do it. No, it, it, it brings life now to us. It, what happened, what Jesus accomplished in the shedding of his blood, of wiping our sins away, of separating them from us as far as the east is from the west, in a, in a new and a fresh way, when I drink that cup, I can, I can receive in a new way and a new understanding even of what that means in my life. And how that happens in my life, of the work that Jesus has done for me on the cross when he shed his blood. That's this idea of particip- participating, of fellowshipping. As we, as it, it, it's, it's the idea of taking this thing by faith and receiving in a fresh way what happened. In fact, and Peter, First uh, Peter says this, that, talking about Jesus, that he bore our sins in his body on the cross that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. Here's what I think that means. I think that means when I take communion and I and I and I drink this blood, that by faith I can take that and I can receive as an act of faith this 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 cup in my hand. I can receive what the blood of Jesus did for me in a fresh way now in my life. I can receive as I break the bread or as I as I eat that cracker that we use as, as a symbolic way. That that becomes like an object of faith to me. And as I take that into my body, I can receive the work that I just read in Peter where it says, by his stripes we were healed. I can receive healing in my body through taking the communion. Listen, do some study. There's literally thousands of documented cases where people were healed and taken communion. When I take communion, here's what I do. I take it and I drink that cup and I say, thank you, Jesus, for your shed blood. Thank you for everything you've done for me. Thank you for what your shed blood has done to me. I receive total healing. I receive total forgiveness for, for all that you've done in my life. I receive that into me. And I receive healing because by your stripes you have been healed. And I'm putting faith in this symbol. It's, it's like it's a, an item of faith that I look at and I receive that as an act of faith to receive healing. And Jesus, I just receive healing right now in my body. And there's sometimes I'll walk through it. I'll tell every cancer cell to die in Jesus' name as I eat that. I'll speak healing over my body. Something's happened in my knee right now. I don't even have a clue what it is. It's been going on for several months. But you know what? When I take that, I'm believing God's going to heal it. Why? Because I'm participating with him. I'm having that koinonia with Christ of what he did then happens in me now. That's called an act of faith. That's what faith is. Amen, Bob. (laughs) You see, when you read this passage in Corinthians where it talks, Paul gives these instructions on communion. He says, because some people have done it unworthily. Now listen a second. I used to understand unworthily meant that I was taking it with sin in my life. That's the way it was taught me. And to some degree that can be true. Okay? But what Paul's really saying is this, in my mind, my belief is this. People, when you take it unworthily is when all you're doing is just drinking some grape juice and eating some crackers, and you're not by faith walking in what Christ wants you to walk in at that point. 
and time in your life. You're just, you're just going through a, you're just, you're just doing communion like it's just some other little dinner. In fact, just remember Paul in Corinthians, he talked about how they were eating and getting drunk and having fun and goofing off and totally destroying the purpose of what communion was. That's what he says to them. You're doing that unworthily. And when he says they're doing that unworthily, they're doing it in the wrong fashion. They're doing it with the wrong heart, with the wrong attitude. And then he says that many are sick and have died because of that. Now, let me ask you a question. If, if many get sick and many die because they do it unworthily, do you think this could be a possibility that you might get healed if you do it worthily? <laughs> could the opposite be true? Now again, worthily isn't based on my worth. It's based on, we just talked about that in Ephesians, didn't we? It's based on His. I'm worthy because He's worthy because I'm in Him. Man, oh man, oh man. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You see, the Scripture is, I talked about taking this, this cup. Let me have one of those. And a piece of the cracker there, or bread, or word cracker just doesn't sound right, does it? <laughs> I just got back from West Virginia. The word cracker has a total different meaning <laughs> up there than it does around here. When you, when, you, when you take this cup, see, oh, Jesus, help me with this right here. Um, do you understand in Scripture that there are many Many examples of an object that God took that object and did something miraculous with it. And they, were, they became like acts of faith. You with me? Think of one. Y'all name one. I'm not going to tell you what they are. Name one. Name, name an object in Scripture that became an act of faith and God did something. Who? An axe? What do you do with the axe? <laughs> Actually, that... I remember right, the axe is what sunk, and he threw in a, did he throw in a piece of wood? Threw in a piece of wood, and then the axe came back up. Y'all remember the story? It's in Kings, I think. Now, what's a piece of wood have to do with an axe head floating back up? Faith. God told him to do it, and he did it. What else? What's another example? Moses' staff. It's a, it's a, it's a, it was a thing. What happened to that staff? It turned into a snake. I loved it where that snake did what to the other snakes? Ate them all. <laughs> Wouldn't you just love to have been there and seen that? Another one. What's another object of faith? Multiplying the food. What's another one? Serpent on the pole. What happened with the serpent on the pole? If they looked at it, they got healed. Hello? They were healed. How? Because they looked at this thing on the pole. That's, what did they do? They basically, as an object of faith, put faith in that, that it was going to do something. Another act. Y'all are getting a bunch of them. What was it? Dry bones. Dry bones. I love that story of dry bones. But hey, there's another example of some bones where somebody fell on top of them and what? Came back to life. What's another one? What was that? Uh, the hem of a garment. Whose garment? Jesus. Jesus. Remember that story? I love that story. God, I say that all the time. I like that story. 
Remember Jesus is walking along just kind of minding his own business. And if you'll get the gist of the story, there's a crowd. And apparently probably a bunch of people were bumping into him. You remember that? And this woman who has what? An issue of blood. She has in her mind what? If I can just... If I can just touch the hem of his garment. Now look at me. A bunch of people have already bumped into him. They didn't get healed. You know why she got healed? Faith. Faith. That if she got there and touched him, she'd get healed. And I love it how Jesus says, he felt what? He felt power. He felt virtue leave from him when that woman touched his hem of his garment. God, isn't that, isn't that just cool? When you... When, Come on, wouldn't you just love to be walking down in a crowd of people and somebody bumps into you and you feel the power of God go out of you and you look and say, what just, what'd you just do? <laughs> you know what those are? Those are objects of faith. You could put faith, listen to me, this, the cup and this bread can become an object of faith. That as we take that and we don't, we don't just do it as some kind of just ritualistic thing. We don't just do it and say, oh man, have some good grape juice and some great crackers. <laughs> but we do it as a, we participate and by faith we say, Jesus, everything you did for me on the cross I received fresh right now today in my life. Everything that happened because of your body being broke from, from, broken for me, I receive right now by faith in my body. You know what that ought to make us want to do? Take communion. <laughs> you know what else it ought to do? Jesus said, "Here's the, he ends this with this statement. As often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me. He didn't give us, he didn't give us some standard or something that says do this once a month, do this once a quarter, do this. How often did he say you, you could do it? As often. You know what as often means? It means as often. <laughs> you, you could do this every, look at me. You don't have to have some preacher give it to you. You just get you a cup. It can be juice. It can be wine. I'm, just get you some and get you a piece of bread and have you and Jesus have some communion that morning. I'm telling you. If we got a hold of that, we'd do it every morning, wouldn't we? That's what Jesus wants to do in our lives as we commune with him. Guys, y'all can get ready if you would. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close with this. I, I want to read this quote to you. This goes back to that quote where we talked about a minute ago about taking it in an unworthy manner. But I, I want to, this kind of sums this whole thing up to me. I don't believe, this is the quote. I should have made it sound like I came up with this. Huh? Well, okay, I'll give credit to somebody. I don't even know where I read it. I, I'm reading a quote. I don't believe our greatest shortcoming is not feeling bad enough about what we've done wrong. I think our greatest shortcoming is not feeling good enough about what God has done right. <laughs> Listen to this. 
when we under-celebrate, we fall short of the glory of God. When we under-celebrate, when we under-celebrate who He is, when we under-celebrate what He's done, when we under-celebrate Him, we fall short of His glory. As we read through this book, as we study Ephesians, I want us to grasp what God's done for us. I want, to, I want God, I want, see Paul in Ephesians, I keep getting ahead of myself, but it's, in, in the first, it's just hard not to. You ought to try it. <laughs> Paul in Ephesians, said, he prays, he says that the eyes of our understanding will be opened, that a spirit of revelation will come on us. You know what that is? That's the Holy Spirit, <laughs> a spirit of revelation opening the eyes of our heart, the eyes of our understanding, opening them as we get into this book. That's my prayer, is the Holy Spirit will open up an understanding of what Ephesians is about as we read this and study it over the next few weeks. Guys, why don't you pass out the, the, the elements? Josh, if you would come, please, sir. you guys stand up if you would the apostle Paul says in the book of Corinthians he says this for I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you the Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed he took the bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take the bread. Thank you, Lord. Jesus, we just we receive, which is an act of our faith. When we receive this bread, we receive it into our bodies. And we receive in communion with you, Jesus, and in partnership with you receive in our bodies the work that you have done for your body being broken for us it was by your stripes that we have been healed and we just we receive healing father in jesus name we receive healing in our bodies we receive total from the top of our head to the bottom of our toes we receive healing in our bodies we speak to those bodies to be whole and to be healed in jesus name we speak to every, every ligament, to every bone, to every joint, we speak healing into it. We speak to every muscle to be whole, to be healed. We tell cancer that you have to leave in Jesus' name. And we receive total healing, Father, in Jesus' name. Lord, thank you, Jesus. You took, you took our, our sickness, you took our disease on yourself so we could have help, Lord, so we could have healing. We just receive that in a fresh way today. And it says, in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant of my blood. Do this when you drink it and remember to me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. 
Jesus, we thank you. Thank you that you shed your blood for us. Thank you that you took our sins and you nailed them to the cross. Thank you that you bore them for us. You bore our grief and our sorrows. But you paid the price, Jesus. You paid the redemption price. You paid it for us. And you took our sin and you gave us your righteousness. Just receive in a fresh way, Lord, that cleansing power of your blood. In Jesus' name. You've been listening to a teaching from Vineyard Church in Jacksonville, Florida. For more information on teachings and special events, please visit us online at www.vcjax.org. That's vcjax.org. 